I remember the first time I consciously wanted to quit. I was seven, and I had a big school science fair project I was working on. I was so excited about my project idea. I was talking about different kinds of rocks because, you know, that's what seven-year-olds do or something. And really, I really just wanted to talk about the pretty rocks that I had gotten on a recent trip to the gift shop at Luray Caverns in Luray, Virginia. I thought they were pretty and sparkly and purple and... They had all these colors, and I wanted to talk about them in my science fair project because I, saw, I thought they were so awesome. I thought this would be so easy, and I would breeze through this science fair project. But when it came time to actually do the work and look beyond the pretty sparkly rocks and really learn and be able to understand and explain the difference between sedimentary, igneous, and metamorphic rocks, yeah, the project suddenly got a little hard for my seven-year-old self. And suddenly, it wasn't as exciting as before. I wanted to switch to a different science fair project topic, like bunnies or making a volcano or something else. But my parents would not let me. They said, nope, this is the topic you picked and you will commit to it and you will do a great job. Now, they did not help me with the project, but they supported me and they encouraged me and they guided me along the way. And in the end, my project was awesome. I got an O for outstanding. Now, what exactly does this have to do with business? Well, so often early on in our lives as entrepreneurs, we get excited about the pretty sparkly aspects of business. We have this big idea we think will be an instant success and an instant hit, and we go full steam ahead until bam, we hit a wall and business gets hard and bills come up or a snag in our plans happens or someone tells us no or we get a bad review. So we wanna quit and we wanna give up or change ideas or change businesses. But let's be honest, successful business owners we see today, they never quit. They did not give up. They kept going. They pushed through. When they got to a wall, they either knocked it down or they climbed over it. They got support and encouragement from those closest to them. And now they're on the other side. That's what a good and hardworking entrepreneur does. They keep showing up every single day, even when it's really, really hard. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are literally changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, a nonprofit director, or just an all-around amazing person who's trying to make a positive impact not only through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Hannah Davis, the founder of Bangs Shoes. Bangs means help in Mandarin, and Hannah wanted to create a solution to help others while also creating an amazing, stylish, and functional shoe. Hannah started this company at such a young age and has worked so hard over the past seven years. Her story is amazing and will inspire you to push through and work hard to achieve whatever goal you have set for yourself. So without further ado, on to the episode with Hannah. Hey, Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. I am so excited to have you on the show. Um, You and I connected over email a couple months ago, and I have just been so fascinated by you and your story and bang shoes and all of that. Um, And so I want you just, we're going to kick it off. We're just going to hit right into it and dive right in. Um, So I would like for you to give us 
the Hannah 101 and tell us all about you, your story, and Bang Shoes for especially for those that maybe haven't heard of Bangs and um, you know just give us the background. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. Let me. Where do I start? So, um, I run an online footwear brand called Bang Shoes, and our slogan is "Your adventure helps others find theirs." So we sell footwear. It's like a canvas rubber sole lace-up shoe that you can wear around walking around town or to yoga or grabbing coffee. And the cool part about them is that 20% of the net profits are invested in entrepreneurs around the world. So wow, yeah, this past, actually last month, December 2017, we invested in our 1000th entrepreneur um, in our 65th country. So um, that's, uh, that's, that's what I do. Um, and I am, I just turned 30 in uh, November of this last, of this last year. I live in Austin, Texas, but I'm originally from Columbia, South Carolina. Um, awesome. my mom still lives there and I graduated from Clemson university and I've been doing this bangs thing for, um, I signed the LLC for uh, like, I guess seven years ago, um, like right when I graduated from college or the year after in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't really start, we didn't sell our first pair of shoes until 2012. So bangs has really been around for five years. I, I like to call those first two years from after when I signed the LLC to when we shipped our first pair of shoes, my, um, there's air quotes around this, but my <laughs> development period. But I was living in, I was living on James Island in Charleston and there was like a lot of beach and a lot of fun going on. So, (laughs) uh, yeah. So I I don't, should I keep going or do you? Well, I would love for you to kind of, um, just go back a little bit and tell us kind of, you know, obviously you grew up in Columbia. Um, you went to Clemson, go Tigers. I'm, I didn't go to Clemson, but I love, I love that school. Um, I have a lot of friends that went to Clemson and, um, I'm in North Carolina. So I feel like we're just, we're neighbors. I saw that you're in Durham. My dad lives in Chapel Hill. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. I, um, my, my husband went to Carolina. Um, I, when I first moved to North Carolina, I lived in Carborough, which is basically Chapel Hill. I'm like, when I first moved here, people would be like, where do you live? I'm like, Chapel Hill. Let's, I'm not even going to try and explain where Carborough is. Um, of chapel it's the cool chapel hill it really is like i always tell people like if if chapel hill is a egg that you're cooking in a um a frying pan the egg yolk is carborough because because literally chapel hill borders all of carborough and it just kind of like hangs out there in the middle it's really and then it's it's really hippie and <laughs> if chapel hill was new york city it would be the brooklyn of chapel yes hill. exactly that's a great oh that's a great one I, I will explain that to people um but yeah. then i came to the dark side and now i live in in, in d-town durham <laughs> i live in the dirty durham um i love it uh so you know you grew up in columbia what was your passions what were your passions growing up did you always have um, you know, this kind of fire for entrepreneurship and where did that sort of stem from? What did you study at Clemson all of that? Yeah, you know, I did not have a fire for entrepreneurship. I like, this is embarrassing, but I did not like know what that word meant until after I graduated from college. Like I would hear it and I was just like, I don't even know, like, okay, I need to like, but I wasn't interested in finding out my, um, my passion was uh, more in the humanitarian sector. So mm. growing up, 
I was in, um, you know, I was really interested in, in service and, um, I did model United Nations in high school. So I was interested in, in international relations, giving back in on a global scale. Um, and then I, uh, I, I wanted to make an impact. I wanted to help people. And that was really where everything kind of stemmed from. So when I went to Clemson, like, okay, if you want to help people, the the most obvious one is like, well, you'd be a doctor, you can help people there. Like that's, that's the doctor's lives are dedicated to helping people. So right. I signed up for bio 110. And that was where that dream was squashed. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a biology person either. I did. I, my intention, I like went to college. I was like, I'm going to be a biology major, did one semester of biology like, I mean, it was horrible. I, I was like, I cannot imagine dedicating four years to studying like this. Like I want to, I'm a people person. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. So I was like, well, okay, I'm still passionate about helping people. So what is, what are my options now? And so I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll be a lawyer. So I was like, I'll get a law degree. I can help, I can lobby for causes. Um, maybe I can fight for environmental um, beliefs that I feel really strongly about. And so I followed that path and I was much happier there. I loved writing papers, reading, talking, debating. Um, I just, I was super passionate about that. And it felt like there were a lot of options if I went down that route. Um, so I graduated with a political science degree and a minor in Mandarin. So I also had this like kind of um, like, uh, I guess, interest in China, wow. but it wasn't, yeah. And it was, um, it was I have to credit my dad because I was like, what do I do, dad? And he was like, you should learn Chinese. It'd be really important. And it could, you could apply it to literally any job. So I was like, cool. And I'll do that. <laughs> and then I, so I signed up for Mandarin and then I had this professor who changed the game for me. She was, um, I'm six two, by the way. Oh, wow. This, yeah. This <laughs> woman, my, my Mandarin professor is, she was like five one the smartest person she was, I was like, just uh, like obsessed with her in like a reasonable way. But I like started, <laughs> I met her my sophomore year of, of college and I signed up for every class. Like if she, anything she taught, I took. Cause I just was like so impressed and I wanted to be like her. I was like, this woman is lecturing at a college in a second language that is vastly different than anything that I know. Just yeah. any all of her like social cues, everything is different. It's like a different, China is a different world. I mean, it stems from completely different um, philosophers. So there's like everything's the way people interact and like the assumptions people make when they're talking to each other. So I just was like, thought she was so incredible. And she did this study abroad. Um, and so I went on study abroad with her. I was like, wow. where you go, I will follow. And, um, and that changed my life like that. I did six weeks in China, my junior year of college. And I um, I was like, this, this country is so, I can't understand it. I need more time here. Six weeks is not enough. Yeah. So when I graduated from college in 2009, um, I signed a contract teaching English in China for a year. So I found a way to get back to China. You know, I'm like, I had like a hundred dollars, my bank account. So I was like, how can I get to China, but get someone to pay me to do it? So <laughs> I, um, I, I signed, I signed a contract to teach and, um, and that's where I came up with the idea for the company. So I, um, I, the plan was still to go to law school. I had taken the LSAT. I had, you know, made a high enough score to be able to get into to get into law school. And so I was applying to law schools while I was in China. But I um, I was encouraged by some of my um, by my stepmom actually to have conversations with people who are doing the job that I think I want to do. Mm -hmm. So find 
and and not just have like this vision about, oh, it'll be great. I'll be a lawyer. She was like, you need to talk to people who are lawyers and and find out what it means to be a lawyer every single day because it's not legally blonde. Like you need to get real here. So I, I I called, um, I called, I have a bunch of lawyers in my family and I, I probably had like four really meaningful conversations that ended up talking me out of law school. Um, these women and a couple of guys that I were, that I spoke to were like, I think, what they this was what they said to me i think what you think being a lawyer is is not actually what it is and i think you would be happier doing something more active in the humanitarian space yeah and that blew my mind so i was like well crap like i don't i can't be a doctor because i don't want to study that much and i don't want to be a lawyer or i guess people who know me think i wouldn't be happy doing it so if i'm I want to help people. Like, what do I do? So, um, I was researching and came across the, I, this, this, this new word, even though I don't think it's like, it was fully new, but it was, it was a really hot topic of the time, social business, social enterprise. Tom's was, um, leading that space in the retail world and Patagonia companies like Patagonia. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is cool. This is something I can get behind. Um, and so I was like, I want to do something like that. So I I was like, well, what what are my options? You know, what how how do you bring something like that to life? And so that was that was probably like, I don't know, in November, December of 2009. And then I was still had like, you know, a whole semester of my teaching contract to, that I needed to complete. And so I was like, oh, I'll, I have time. I'll figure it out. And so my teaching contract ends. And I was like, I haven't figured it out yet. I'm not leaving China until I have a plan. And so I like stayed in this um, university housing that and it was like, really, um, there was like nobody there. It was kind of depressing. And it was, um, it wasn't like the, you know, the uh, it, I, I would I would definitely do it all over again, but it wasn't like the happiest time because of my life because I was like really confused about um, where where I was going to go and and how I was going to make an impact. And then I um, I literally sat up in bed one day. It was like nobody was on on campus. It was during summer break. I was like the only one in the the building. And I sat up in bed one day and I was like, oh my gosh, it's the shoes. And I had previously purchased this pair of shoes off the side of the road in China. Um, they're worn by workers and farmers. Um, it's like a, it's it's the inspiration for the shoes you see today. But what was really unique about them is that the um, well, let me back up for a quick second. So when you think about um, the category of shoes that Bangs are, um, you've got canvas and you've got rubber soled. So think about like Converse or Vans or Superga or Keds. Yeah. Um, most of them have a colored canvas on the top, like over your foot, and then the sole is white. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the most well-known type of shoe. But what was really unique about this shoe in China was that the canvas and the sole matched. So it was like this olive green um, color canvas and then olive green sole. Mm-hmm. And so they looked like boots, but they were they were canvas sneakers. And I was like, those are really cool. But they, were, they weren't they were like, um, it wasn't a brand. They were worn by Chinese workers and farmers. And I brought them in like, um, this is, this is of course, like the the very, very first version, the Chinese version. I wore, I wore a pair and my Chinese students were like, why are you wearing those? Like farmers wear those. That's weird. Mm-hmm. So like, it didn't necessarily yeah. translate to that audience. But 
I was like, there's something here. So I brought it back to the United States and then redid it. So ripped the shoes apart, you know, put it back together with my flair on it, um, updated all the canvas, made it a little bit more durable, westernized it. And then um, the brand name Bangs comes from the word help in Mandarin. And we, um, I decided to call it the brand Bangs Shoes and came up with the model, 20% of our net profits, invest in entrepreneurs. And five years later, here we are. Wow. So I I would love to kind of, obviously, I want to talk about the shoe and the business aspect, but at what point did you incorporate the model of giving 20% of the profits back to entrepreneurs? Because I think this is such a unique thing about what you're doing, and, and it's almost like you're, um, you know, combining something, you know, like a concept of Tom's or an ethical, you know, obviously an ethical shoe line, while also almost kind of incorporating something like Kiva, you know, is that what that was called Kiva? It's like where they do the micro loans for businesses. That's our partner. Oh, wait. Oh, okay. That's okay. Well, then clearly I'm a genius because I did not know that. I'm just kidding. Um, Okay. So yeah. So explain to me where that partnership came from and, um, and where sort of that idea you know, where you were like, I'm going to take this a step further. I'm not going to just make these shoes ethical, but I'm going to really make a lasting impact by empowering business owners around the world. Well, that's, that was it. So when I, I mean, that was, that was the whole, that's the reason that why Bang started, you know, yeah. it's funny because the, sh- the shoes came second. It was mm. more about the cause and, um, and the, and this is a, like leading into a whole other conversation. That was a very tough realization for me about two years in when I realized I wasn't running a nonprofit and I was running a shoe business and that to be successful at the nonprofit side, I had to be really good at business and I almost quit. But that's an aside. So um, <laughs> we, can come, we can come back to that later. Um, but the, the, the model was, was from the very beginning. I mean, it was... The, it was the reason why bangs came and to be. Um, and so my, um, when I, when I was researching, clearly there's like millions upon millions of amazing organizations that I could have chosen to partner with. And at the beginning, we actually did have multiple partners. Mm-hmm. Um, but a very good friend of mine who she's, she's like a sister to me. I've known her since I was, you know, one and uh, her name's Julie Kriegshaber. And she introduced me to Kiva. So when I was looking for these organizations, I was like, all right, guys, I'm looking for something sustainable. I want to help people. I don't want to give people stuff. Um, and the reason for that was when I, so when I was coming up with the idea for bangs, I was like, there's, uh, there's the t- another, another person who changed my life. I don't know this person, but it's a Ted talk, uh, Dan Pelota. Mm-hmm. The way we think about charity is dead wrong, completely changed my, everything I was thinking about humanitarian aid. Mm. And so taking that, like after that Ted talk, and this was right around the time I um, was trying to find a nonprofit, you know, what he, he said, we don't, we don't need, the world does not need another nonprofit. There's 1.5 million registered nonprofits in the United States. And how many of those do you think are dedicated to clean water? You know, it's in the thousands and we're all, we all want the same thing, but we end up segmenting resources because there's a finite amount of dollars in the world. There's a finite amount of resources, about hours in the day, humans in the world. And so he says, and I, I, fully believe this, that we don't need new organizations that get, that give people stuff. We need organizations that connect each other. And that's what I wanted banks to do. So I wanted to find an organization that empowered people that 
that help give provided opportunities in that stuff. And then I wanted to connect hu- connect humans to that organization in a unique way. And people need shoes. Um, and and people people want their purchases to to impact a greater good. And I saw a space for uh, for bangs and ran with it. That is amazing. And I can't believe I did not because I was like, I've done all this reading and I completely missed the fact that you guys are partnered with Kiva. So that's a little embarrassing on my part, I I admit. Um, But that I think that's amazing. And, you know, for people that maybe are unfamiliar with the model of Kiva, can you explain what is just so impactful about this organization? Yeah. So Kiva is amazing. And um, you don't have to buy bangs to to work with Kiva. Anybody, if you wanted to go to Kiva.org right now, um, you can, and I would encourage it and to just check it out because it's a really awesome organization. Mm-hmm. So they um they are they're classified as a microfinance organization. And of course they didn't invent microfinance. Um, but the idea is to provide small loans to to entrepreneurs who might not have access to traditional finance. Mm-hmm. Um, so for anybody who's listening, who's like, that was just a bunch of whatever. I don't even know what she said. It's like <laughs> the OG Kickstarter. Right. So, yes. Like, yes. <laughs> um, but, but Kickstarter is, I think more aimed towards a Western audience, you know, yeah. creative people who have funding, who, ha- who have an idea off the ground, but they're trying to take it to the next step. And, and Kiva is for people who might not have access to the internet or who don't have access to a smartphone mm-hmm. and um, have these great ideas. This is something else, this, that, um, this idea that I uh, really was hit home for me in China was that it doesn't matter what you look like or how much money you have or what language you speak. There are things that exist in every human and hope and ambition mm-hmm. and love for your family and the the drive to provide for people you love. And yes. so these things exist, even if somebody doesn't have Wi-Fi and they, and, and, and like innovation exists no matter what your, um, your situation is. So there's these entrepreneurs in different parts of the world who might have like the next life changing idea that could affect all of us, but they just don't have access to finance or opportunities or a way to share their idea. And so Kiva saw that and Kiva said, that's not okay. And they, they go in and they find these entrepreneurs and then they share their stories with people like me and you. And then Bang says, all right, we're going we're gonna to look at the, your, these entrepreneurs that you're sharing with us and we're going to invest in them and we're going to help them reach their dreams as well. I think that is just so cool. And I think it's something that I tell people about all the time is just that, that concept in general of what you were saying with there are people all over the world and yes we speak different languages yes we have different skin colors and different religions and we you know culturally on the surface are different but inside of us you know every mother around the world wants to just take care of her kids and and yeah. you know every father around the world wants to take care of his family and you know provide for his family and be a strong you know male figure in in their house you know it's just i mean this is a these are things that we all just kind of innately have within us is we want to we want to provide for our family we want to provide for ourselves we want to take care of ourselves we don't want charity we would we don't want handouts um do we just want opportunity and 
I've seen this kind of, you know, in at a very, very micro, 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 micro level um, with an organization I, that I personally work with in um, Kenya. And um, there's an organization that I'm a part of called Street Hope. And what they are doing is working with um, women who have been victims of um, human trafficking, survival prostitution um, in the area of Thika which is kind of like this, I, I kind of describe it as it's a very urban area outside of Nairobi. Um, if for, for North Carolinians, you know, if Nairobi is Raleigh, then Thika is kind of Durham. You know, it's just very, um, it's very urban. You have some, um, there's a lot of universities in the area. So you've got kind of a younger um, population, but then it's also, um, you know, it has slums and it, it's, there's some, you know, pretty, rough parts of it and um but also you know some very nice parts so it's a it's a really interesting area because it's not very it's not rural Kenya but it's not Nairobi so it's this kind of mix of cultures and what we've been doing is giving these women and we actually have one man as well opportunities for micro loans micro business um, kind of startup loans and to give them the opportunity to you know very much like Kiva you know bring their idea to fruition and it's everything from you know a mom who wants to open up her own beauty shop and you know help the women in her community feel beautiful um, or we've we had a man who is selling um, the you know, their milk a lot of times comes in these like it's like bagged it's very hard to explain if you've never seen it before but when you buy milk to drink or uh whatever it's it comes in bags so that it doesn't because it so it doesn't expire as quick I don't really know how to explain it but he you know bought a deep freezer and he's selling frozen milk to people so that they have it and that it last longer um you know then we've got somebody else who's you know simple as just selling um shoes for people in the community or school supplies. I mean, things like that, that that seem so small and so basic, but have such a powerful impact on their community because each one of them knows what their community needs. And so they want to be able to provide that for their community and be able to then in turn provide for their own family. And so I just, I've seen firsthand the impact that empowering an entrepreneur and, you know, I am really passionate about women entrepreneurs, you know, empowering an entrepreneur in the, you know, in a different and unique way can really have such a ripple effect on not just their own family, but also their communities. And so I think what you're doing is, is awesome because you're selling a great product. You're selling a product that's um, timeless. It's classic. It's trendy. It's all of those things. In addition to having, you know, such a powerful impact on, on, you know, as you said, over a thousand entrepreneurs in what was it, 63 countries? 65. 65 countries. Yeah. So 65 countries around the world. Like those are, that's 65 countries with different communities and a thousand people that are impacting, you know, their families and and who knows what impact we'll see down the road. Um, So I just, first I want to just say, I love your business model. I think it's amazing. And I applaud you for what you're doing. Um, I have to to divert that to Kiva. I mean, like, we're, um, that, I think that's another thing that they've done really well is that they allow, they, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, I want to make a difference, but I don't know how they make it easy, you know, yes. and, 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 and lots of diff- lots of companies work with them. And we're really lucky that, 
um, that we are able to have impact through them because we couldn't, you know, <clears throat> I mean, 30 years ago, we wouldn't, there's no way that we could have worked in 65 countries and be the size that we are, you know, yeah. it's just, um, but I don't think bangs would have been in existence 30 years ago because we're in a fully online business now. So yeah, that, <laughs> I don't, there's a, a lot. Yeah. So you have mentioned earlier that you almost quit the business. Talk a little yeah. bit about that. Well, so there, at the very, very beginning, there was never like the first maybe year, year and a half. I was so confident and I had such a clear vision for what I wanted bangs to look like and what I thought it could be and the impact it could have that I never once second guessed myself um, or bangs. And it wasn't until... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy when it's easy. Right? right. And so the minute that it starts getting more difficult and it was probably like, um, you're like one into year and a half into year two, where I really was struggling and the business mm. was struggling and we weren't, people said they liked the idea, but they weren't really buying the shoes. They loved the impact, but we weren't really growing in the way we needed to. And it, I, I realized that, in order to have an impact in these communities and through Kiva, we have to have really, really awesome shoes. And mm -hmm. if you're if you're running a social business and your product isn't awesome on its own, aside from the social mission, then you're setting yourself up for failure. And that's kind of the position that we were in. We had this strong social mission. I had a clear vision of impact, but the product that we were selling just wasn't, it was, I mean, it was okay. We were selling some shoes, but it wasn't competitive. Like your product can't be okay. Like we're entering a space where these heritage brands have been around for decades. Like Converse is a mammoth, you know, like right. we, it is a David and Goliath situation here. <laughs> like we are, we are actually statistically insane to be doing this. Like there is no reason why we should be successful except that we are persevering and we're passionate and we believe in it and mm -hmm. and we're starting to see glimmers of success and growth um so that shift though from year one and a half to year two when i realized that hey hannah you're not running a, a, a nonprofit. it is not you're not dealing with donors you're dealing with customers and customers have choices and 60 dollars is not an insignificant amount of money to get somebody to hand over for a product it better be good it better be great it better be better than converse it better you know and so to have right. these high standards and then how do you do that like i mean they they have departments they have worldwide offices they have they have humans that have been doing this for 40 years like and there's four of us you know at banks <laughs> so we just Absolutely. have to work harder we have to everything has to be better our marketing has to be better um our shoes have to be better and um and and we i decided eventually that i wasn't going to you know, bow, bow out. I was going to give it, give it a try. And, and I didn't want to stop saying, Oh, I saw how high the mountain was and I didn't want to climb it. I wanted to say, we're going to go down. I'm going to go down like on the side of the mountain, like halfway up at least. Like I'm going to give it my all. <laughs> Absolutely. And I love what you said so transparently and so honestly about it's easy when it's easy. And then when it gets difficult, it gets hard. It gets really, really difficult. And every entrepreneur goes through that every single one. And I have interviewed so many business owners. I'm a business owner myself. My husband owns his own business. Um, I have a lot of friends who are business owners. And they will tell you, you know, you have, you get, it's like the honeymoon phase in the beginning when you're 
like, I've got this idea. It's going to be great. I'm going to be so successful. And then all of a sudden you hit the first roadblock and it can come quickly. And sometimes maybe it comes a little bit further down the road, but it, it knocks you down when you, when you hit it. And, you know, I have said this before countless times on this podcast, and I've said it countless times on my blog, but success comes to the ones that keep showing up. And, you know, you never hear about Oprah Winfrey who gave up. <laughs> she, yeah, well, she didn't give I, up and now she's Oprah. And so, you know, that happens for so many business owners. I think that I, I really believe that I don't, I know I'm not the smartest person. I'm never the smartest person in the room. Um, I'm never the most experienced. I never have the most money. There's never going to be a situation where I am the best at any of those things. But what I do have, I'm the most stubborn and I'm going to work. I'm, I'm not, I'm okay to sacrifice things for this, for my vision. And, Mm -hmm. and I think I, I definitely believe that it's the, it's the perseverance and it's, it's not, you know, it's Oprah or it's anybody in like any sort of any sector, it doesn't matter, musicians, um, artists, anybody that is excelled in their field. And, you know, of course there's like the crazy, you know, child stars, but then, but, you know, but for and, and it transcends just retail. It's any sector. It mm-hmm. takes years. Absolutely. And even, you know, even the quote unquote overnight successes, you don't hear about all the training or the work that they went through to get to be that quote unquote overnight success. Um, I've, you know, I've, I was talking to somebody who, you know, said that her friends asked her, you know, how did you become such an overnight success? And she's like, what do you mean? I was in business for seven years before I was ever successful. <laughs> you I just know. didn't hear about me until recently. <laughs> you know? They're like, it feels like things has just exploded overnight. And I want to be like, yo, seven years yeah. of doing this. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? What do you mean overnight? <laughs> like, what? What? <laughs> what world do you live in? <laughs> so funny. They're like, it's just exploded. I'm like, is that what's happened? Because it certainly feels like (laughs) grinding. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So many sleepless nights and sacrifices. And yeah, I mean, just things that you can't learn in business school. And I find too, so many business owners never went to business school. And so you have all of these creative people, these entrepreneurs, these, these people who just have this fire within them for whatever passion it is that they have. And then all of a sudden they get into the nitty gritty of business and their, you know, their eyes go cross and and they're just like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, okay, I'm going to have to have, I'm going to have to hire somebody because I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that that actually has been a benefit of mine um, is that I don't have traditional business training because, and not like saying, of course, they're like, business school is an awesome opportunity mm-hmm. and there's a lot of knowledge to be learned from it. But in my specific situation, it, it, I had no parameters. There was no, there was no like skeleton template to follow to say, Hey, you do X, Y, or Z and you get success. I had a wide open, let's try anything. And I think that that ended up working to my benefit. Absolutely. And it's funny because I have heard that from other entrepreneurs as well that did not go to business school, that they that, that they, they think it's an advantage for them and they are glad that they don't have that formal business training, um, which yeah. I just think is so interesting because I do, I hear that a lot and I'm not, you know, I, I don't know that I can pinpoint exactly why that is such a benefit, but um 
yeah, you are you definitely are not the first person I've heard that from, and I, I which I think is I think is cool. Yeah, for sure. So I want to. I'm curious about sort of the early logistical things because you know as you were you said that you brought a pair back to the U.S. when you left China and you sort of took it apart and you you know made it your own. I, I mean I don't know the first thing about making shoes how did you learn how to do that and you know did you go to manufacturers here and how did you kind of come up with the logistics for the actual manufacturing component and and how to make that duplicable and and scalable um so that's I just asked a lot of questions you know you I said this I think a, a little earlier um you know, we, you don't, we don't, you don't need to reinvent the wheel for a lot of stuff. And like what we're doing isn't, we're we didn't invent like the next internet, you know? I mean, so there's people who've been doing this way longer than I have, who know way more about this than I do. And so I've, I find those people and talk to them. Um, and people are so kind. I mean, there's been a couple of instances where I'm like, Oh, that person isn't who I thought they were and they weren't helpful at all. But like, it's very, a small, small percentage, you know, if you reach out to somebody and they like your idea and, and, you know, sometimes I, I'm not, I have no shame. Like I will follow up with somebody 15 times. Like if I, if I want to hear from them or I need or want their insight or think that, um, it would be an interesting conversation. And, you know, I'll get, I've, get people on the phone and I'll be like, all right, I know I only have 15 minutes. This is what we're doing. And like share the idea and passion. And then they'll end up talking with me for like an hour and I'll ask questions. And so I think that's, that's a lot of what happened at the beginning is we, we found people or that, um, you know, worked in the footwear industry or worked in design. And, um, I talked to my friends and, uh, I had a, a, a friend named Michael. I, his, I still have a friend named Michael. He's still around. <laughs> um, and he, I, he works in fashion and he's been, an, I've known this guy since I was like in elementary school and we were both living in New York at the same time. And I didn't realize how much of, of people liking shoes was um, about like proportion. Mm-hmm. And um, there was like a, I mean, there's a science aspect to it. So pers- there, there, one of the issues that we had at the beginning was that people's like, Oh, I like the idea, but bangs make my feet look big. And so what we did was move the ice, like where the, um, those circles are, where the laces go through, we moved it down the foot, like five millimeters and it makes your feet look smaller. And I was like, Holy smokes. Like some five millimeters, like five millimeters changed the way people look at bangs. And um, yeah, so there's like a little, like little things like that, or, you know, the weight of the canvas. So if you have a heavier weight, it makes it look like a more sturdy shoe or you have softer canvas. um, The shoes don't like the sides of bangs maybe will, won't stand up quite as straight, but it seems like people like that. So we need to put the, the weight back up. Um, how long are the shoelaces? So um, it, it was also a little bit easier to figure out because the factory, when you have a factory, they're like, this is what I need from you. You need to give me like X, Y, and Z. And so mm-hmm. you sort of just like fill in the blanks and you're like, okay, well they need this, but I don't know what that is. So let me figure it out really quickly and then just tell them something, you right. know, they can tell you make it. Right. That is, I don't think I could have, I mean, I definitely could not have told you any of that as far as that's so fascinating that you discovered little things, little nuances like that. 
about moving the shoelace holes down five millimeters and what an impact that has. That is so interesting. It was a sink or swim thing, though. I don't like again, like I'm not I didn't just it was like I'm, I was like up against a wall to figure this out. Like bangs was yeah. go, there was there. We were struggling. I mean, there there we should have quit in 2014. I mean, we were, we were hemorrhaging cash and people weren't buying shoes and there, there was no, I did not see a light. I did not see a way out. And then we discovered Instagram. Oh yes. Yes. And that's when everything changed. When we flip flopped our business model, stopped wholesale and put all of our eggs online. Wow. What a, what a change and what a, you know, just a such an impact that something like committing to it and pushing through and then finding where your niche is, um, yeah. what that can what have. <laughs> Absolutely. That's Absolutely. Crazy. That's amazing. Um, so what is the vision for Bangs over the next few years? Where do you see things growing and going in, you know, over over time? Well, my hope is that Bangs becomes a household shoe name. I mean, I'd like it. I want it to, I want to keep going. I mean, there's no reason at this point to stop. Um, and I want to keep building out a community of, of people who believe in our mission and want to make the world a better place and want to help invest in entrepreneurs around the world. Um, and I think a lot of that means we have to have really great social media, we have to have really amazing product. Mm -hmm. And we have to stay, you know, stay on top of um, the shifts in how people find information. And this is includes social media and the internet and how people shop online. And um, yeah, I mean, there's a we just have to keep learning and growing. And I, I, my, my hope for the next couple years is to replicate what we've been doing, but on a bigger and better scale. Awesome. I well, I can't wait to see how you continue to grow. And uh, for those that are listening, I will have all of Hannah's information and bangs, you know, information on how you can buy bang shoes in the show notes. Uh, but now, Hannah, this is my my favorite portion of the show where we transition to the lightning round, so to speak. My husband inserts a fun sound effect here every week. He's he seems to be doing movie quotes recently, so I, you never know what you're gonna get. So we'll see. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so are you ready for the lightning round? I'm ready. So first is just, this is more, a little bit of a, not a deeper question, but a little more on the serious side. What is the best business advice you've ever been given? And especially in the last seven years, as you've run the gamut, what is the best business advice you've been given? This was given to me by a friend named Steven when I was still living in China. And it led me to, eventually led me to come up with the idea for bangs. He said, I, so I was 22 at the time. And he said, Think about what you want your life to look like when you're 60. Picture it. Where are you sitting? Who's around you? What does your house look like? Do you have a house? Where are you going on a trip anytime soon? Lay it all out and write it down. And then start making decisions today to get you to that point. Mm. Mm, that is good. I love that. Me too. Make it me thinking. <laughs> I think I think about it all the time. It changed my life because I was like, whoa, my mind. Because I was thinking about 
next year, next two right. years. He's like, no, sick. Be, you got to be 60. You gotta what be, is your life? I love it. Um, what is the mu- movie you can watch over and over again and never get bored of? Hmm. I'm not a really big movie person, but my the 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 Netflix series is The Office. Oh yes, my my husband's a huge Office fan. I'm a I'm a big Office fan. I mean, who who doesn't love The Office? Yeah, you can just go and pick an episode. It's just nice. It's my it's like makes you laugh, and you don't have to think about it. And it, you love the characters, so it's definitely The Office. Love it. Uh, if you were sent into space with three items, what would those three items be? Oh gosh! Um, <laughs> do humans count? <laughs> uh, let's let's assume that you've you've got the humans you want. Okay. Um, does Wi-Fi work? <laughs> and you got Wi-Fi. You got you got your humans. You got your Wi-Fi. <laughs> okay. Then I would take my laptop, um, a pair of bangs. I love it. And to be clear, I would take my Onyx high top lace up bangs shoes oh I like that okay that's good and then I would I would take um a blanket I would take my rumple blanket that's really heavy and warm and nice just because space seems cold I like that that's a you, I think you're the first person that has said a comfort item like that that's a good I see for me it'd probably be like a good pillow like I need a good I need a good pillow I, I can live without a pillow but if I'm cold or if I <laughs> Um, this might even be like, oh, so I, I have trouble sleeping without weight on my, and I think it's an anxiety thing. Like, um, if I can't sleep with just a sheet on, I need mm-hmm. to have like yeah. either, um, a heavy blanket or my like boyfriend makes fun of me. I will put pillows on top of my body because <laughs> I like having things. And I, it's so dumb. It's like such a false sense of security, but I can't sleep without it. No, and I like so it. If I'm in space and I need to get some sleep and I don't have a heavy blanket, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so the last questions are either or. So you just say which thing you prefer of the two. All right, so are you ready? Yep. All right, coffee or tea? Tea. Cake or pie? Cake. Books or movies? Book. Pepsi or Coke? Neither. Ooh, okay. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Tacos or burritos? Burrito. Introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. Call or text? Call. PC or Mac? PC. But no, I have a Mac. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I, I use all Mac. <laughs> um, and last one, crushed ice or cubed ice? Crushed all day. Yes, crushed all day. I want the like chewy nugget ice. That is what I'm talking about. Yes. Yes. Hannah, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I am so just, I'm so encouraged and I'm inspired by everything that you're doing and I will be cheering you on along the way. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to be my guest on the show this week. Absolutely. I appreciate it. It was fun and um, hope you learned something about bangs. Absolutely. I loved Hannah so much and I was so impressed with her incredible work ethic, her vision, and her ability to push through the hard times to see success in bang shoes. And the impact she's having on thousands of entrepreneurs around the world is simply incredible. Be sure to give Hannah and Bang Shoes some love on social media this week. I will have all of their links and information in the show notes. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener of the show, welcome to the show. Be sure to visit archives for past shows featuring amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who are quite literally, I'm serious, changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you so much for tuning in week in and week out, and thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Radio Public, or whichever podcasting app you like best, and make sure you are subscribed to the show. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure that you never miss a new episode of the podcast. And while you're there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review of the show? Leaving a review helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. And if you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast or tag me at Still Being Molly on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. This show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose. <laughs> <laughs>